Welcome and thank you for joining us on Disrupt TV. My name is Bala Afshar, Chief Digital Evangelist at Salesforce and your co-host for the next hour. We welcome you to follow us on Twitter at Disrupt TV Show. Send Ray, myself and our distinguished guests your questions using hashtag Disrupt TV and we will do our best to answer them live. It's my uh, privilege to introduce my co-host. He's the founder and CEO of Constellation Research, best-selling author of Disrupting Digital Business, regular contributor to all the media outlets from Fox Business, CNBC, Yahoo Business, uh, regular contributor to Harvard Business Review, ZDNet, and other media publications. And in my humble opinion, one of the top futurists to follow on Twitter at RWANG0. Welcome Ray Wong to Disrupt TV. Hey, thanks a lot, Bala. You know, I'm here with my awesome co-host, the Chief Digital Evangelist at Salesforce, more importantly, author himself, thought leader, not called a thought leader by himself, but by so many others as a top CIO follower, this top CMO follower on Twitter, and of course, lots of broadcast outlets around the world. But it's not about us. What's more importantly here is talking about our cool guests that are on stage today. Who's up now? Uh, what do we have our, in terms of our CEO whisperer? <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a privilege for us to have Jerry Colonna, CEO and co-founder of Reboot.io and author of book titled Reboot Leadership and the Art of Growing Up. Uh, Reboot.io is an executive coaching and leadership development firm whose coaches and facilitators are committed to the notion that better humans make better leaders. In Reboot Leadership and the Art of Growing Up, venture capitalist turned executive coach Jerry, who Gimlet Media dubbed, as you said, Ray, the CEO whisperer, I love that, reveals why growing up and developing into your leaders are intertwined and why both depend on what he calls radical self-inquiry, which we're gonna learn about. For 20 years, Jerry has been using his knowledge gained as an investor and executive board member for more than 100 organizations to help entrepreneurs and others lead with humanity, resilience, and equanimity. Prior to his career at, as a coach, Jerry was partnered with J.P. Morgan Partners, a private equity firm of J.P. Morgan Chase. Jerry joined JPMP from Flatiron Partners, which he launched in 1996 with partner Fred Wilson. Flatiron became one of the most successful early stage investment programs in the New York City area. He's a must follow on Twitter at J-E-R-R-Y-C-O-L-O-N-N-A. Welcome Jerry to Disrupt TV. Oh, thank you guys for having me. It's really a delight to be here. Thank you, sir. Hey, thanks a lot for being on the show. And, and our opening question really gets to the heart of, you know, in early stage VC investing, you guys spend a lot of time focusing on getting the right person, right? It's about the right leader, the right founder, the right vision in that place. And this first statement here, like from your book is like growing up and the journey to leadership. I mean, that's a very, very interesting thought. Like, why are they intertwined and how does that help uh, in that process of being rebooted? Well, uh, they're intertwined because leadership is so hard. <laughs> leadership, one of the biggest challenges is that um, the, the skills that uh, we develop in our process of growing into leadership, of assuming power, of, the, of launching a business, one of the things that happens is that we, we are encountering all sorts of new um, challenges. And it, none of those challenges actually prepare us well for that moment when we are actually sitting in the CEO seat. Hmm. And the challenge there, uh, the challenges there become, uh, 
a subtle ground for us to do the work that I call the growing up work, the process of actually completing yourself as an adult and becoming the person you were born to be. So, so there's a lot that we're not building ourselves up to get to that point, And we have to do a lot of this learning on the fly. Is that what you're saying? Well, it's about learning on the fly. It's about encountering new, um, new situations all the time. So, you know, if we go back to the, to the introduction where we were talking about better humans making better leaders, mm. it's a kind of obvious statement, right? Of course, better humans will be better leaders. But then why do we have such trouble with leadership? And we have such trouble with leadership because becoming a better human being is actually really, really hard. And that process of becoming a better human being is a function of actually addressing all of the belief systems and the structures that we have grown up with that really shape who we are as leaders and the choices that we have made. And that facing is scary and painful and it's something we tend to avoid. You have been dubbed the CEO whisperer and you would think, I would think that most CEOs are, are high achievers. Are high achievers uh, better humans or better prepared to, to, to lead? Well, I think high achievers are, are, are interesting folks to work with. Um, very often they are promoted into leadership positions early in, in their lives. Mm. And one of the things that they're, they struggle with is an exacerbated sense of imposter syndrome. Um, a high achiever starts off very early on figuring out what it takes to get an A in the class. And they sort of figure out the landscape pretty quickly and then they deliver that to the world and the world sort of responds and rewards them. And eventually they get more and more responsibility. Throughout the entire process, there's a little whispery voice in their ear, though, that says, you haven't really been tested. You, you don't really know. They haven't figured out that you don't know what you're doing. And so when you get this sort of louder and louder voice coupled with this experience of more and more or increasing amount of power and responsibility, you get this really, really uh, challenging mix, this brew of uh, uncomfortable uh, experiences where the high achieving uh, person finds himself suddenly having to confront all of these fears from childhood, all of these challenges that they grew up with, but successfully dodged as they grew and as they moved through, say, the education system or their early career. It, I'm sorry, I'm going to follow up. Is, is, is having imposter syndrome a good thing? or a bad thing? Uh, what if we took it out of the good or bad and just said it is something that people have? And it's did, something- but, but did they look to you as a coach to help remove that sense of, I don't belong here, I'm not sure why I'm being asked to lead or take, more, take on more responsibilities. Sure. I people knew how little sure. I know about the subject. Sure. And, 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 what I, what I typically say, yes, they, they do come to me to say they're looking for relief from that feeling. And what I typically say to them is um, to really roll it back and to understand what the role of that voice in your head is. The role of that voice, the voice that's telling you you're an imposter, is actually quite loving. 
what that voice wow. is trying didn't to know do. that. Yeah, I'm feeling like this all the time, man. Imposter syndrome. <laughs> well, what that voice is trying to do is keep you from being humiliated. It's trying to keep you from feeling ashamed. That's what's going on. And so if you understand that that's what the voice is, it's trying to protect you. The jujitsu move to make, though, is to say, thank you, but I don't need you anymore. <laughs> I don't need you to warn me anymore because I got this. I'm an adult and I can handle failure. Hmm. And that's the, wow. the releasing moment when we can sort of internalize that, see it, that what it is, it's, it's a voice that actually is trying to do you something good. Trying to take care this of This is interesting. So this is why, oh, oh, go ahead, Bob. No, I mean, it feels like it's guardrails trying to keep you humble, keep you with a beginner's mindset, keep you interested. It's trying to keep you safe. Safe. Mm. It's just trying to keep you safe, right? Got it. The problem so, is, the, and, and, and this, this goes across all the belief systems that kind of impede us as leaders. Most of those belief systems were formed when we were five years old. Wow. Right? And so we start to discern the world and we start to make sense of the world at a very, very early age. And so when you start to unpack the logic, and I use that term loosely, behind these belief systems, a belief system is... I don't really know what I'm doing and oh my goodness, everybody's going to figure that out. Core imposter syndrome. It's the two, two parts of it, right? It's a perverse logic, but it's a logic that makes sense when you're five years old. Right. And the problem is, and this is why I like using the, the, the term reboot is the underlying operating system needs to be updated. <laughs> and that, you know, those, those belief systems are like subroutines in version 1.0 of our application of us. And all of a sudden, we've got all these other functionalities that we have layered on top of that, but we actually haven't changed the up and updated the program. Hmm. And that's the reboot part of the Great process. analogy. Great analogy. Great. And, and engineers like it when I point out that we all go into adulthood with a massive amount of technical debt. <laughs> And we can't turn around and just say, okay, we're going to scratch it, you know, rip everything nope. out and start all over. What we have to actually have to do is sort of examine each subroutine and say, that one doesn't work anymore. Mm. So this is the radical self-inquiry process you're talking about. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Okay. And, 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 and you're and, saying that. To... Well, well, right. You, Go ahead. You were surprised when I said that the imposter syndrome voice is actually a loving and kind voice. Yeah. You were surprised when I said that. I, I had a tiger mom. I had a tiger mom. Okay, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> dad, dad. Tiger mom and dad. Okay. Now we're going to get into a very cheery coaching session. Did your mom love you, Ray? Loved me a lot. Everything she did was out of love. Same thing. Same belief system. Same structure. The problem is the war that your mother was preparing you for wasn't necessary. Very she necessary. Very necessary because of the child I was, but more importantly, but for the world she wanted me to be in, she prepped me for everything. And she probably carried forward a belief system from her childhood, right? So all that comes together, and she looked at the world as it, as it was going to be and the child that, she, that you were, and she wanted you to be prepared. So it was all about love. 
the problem was that if you carry that belief system into your leadership, for example, and you're a tiger CEO in the same way, I could just- <laughs> I'd have no one working for me. <laughs> I could just imagine a 360 degree performance review. It comes back and it's like, okay, he's dismissive, he's a bully, he's never satisfied, da, 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 right? <laughs> And so that's the, all internal. <laughs> so, so the programming just needs to be updated. That's yeah. all. Let's just say Ray upgraded the OS with ludicrous mode, like that you find in <laughs> I don't expect I don't expect that out of my team. I, I they will get to the performance where they enjoy what they find the right balance between what they love to do what they want to do and what they need to do. And, and that's oh, just kind of how I view everybody. Right. But like for my kids, that's very different. Your employees and your kids are texting, my, texting me right now. And saying, <laughs> my son is like, can you tell my dad to stop? No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, so, so Jerry, why is it that when we meet not just high achievers, but certainly high achievers or that people tend to um, want to volunteer the, the information to us that they're very busy. You ask them how you're doing, and the first thing is, oh, I'm so busy. Well, uh, why, why do people, uh, is that a safety net? Is that some sort of self-validation that you matter? What is it about talking to people and telling them how busy we are? I, I, I think it's a, it's a number of things. Um, Yes, and in some level, um, we measure worth by output and outcome. And so if I'm really busy, then I must be important. Hmm. Um, the irony is, if you look at someone, say, like Warren Buffett, I can almost guarantee that when you call him up, he's like never busy. Right? Hmm. But I'll, t I'll take his success over the next guy. But, but, but we, ha we live in this sort of bizarro world where we associate output with value. So that's one thing. Hmm. The other thing is that I think that um, we stay in a busy state because we're a little afraid to actually slow down. We're a little afraid to actually um, quiet our minds, stay focused, because what may happen if we do that is a whole rush of feelings may come in. And all of a sudden, we actually have to feel the fear, feel the doubt, feel the uncertainty. No, no, thank you. I'd rather just be busy. And so we <laughs> fill the gaps and we fill the white. It sounds gaps. like you needed a chapter on the PTSD of being busy. <laughs> well, I think I, I, I would frame it this way. I think busy may be in a, a, a symptom of PTSD. Hmm. I think it was I think it was John Wooden who said go fast but don't hurry. Um, and as, as someone who played basketball, I, I thought you know that was just one example of his amazing wisdom. Did you have to slow down to write a, a, a terrific book, or did you feel even more busy having to capture your thoughts and all these other you know experiences that you you've had into uh, you know into a book? It's a great question. No one's asked that before. Um, yeah, writing the book was a third job for me. Um, my first job, primary, primary job is, is uh, coaching a, a set of individuals. And then the second job is being CEO. And those two are, are linked and related. Um, but this became a third job. And wow. so um, I had a cadence and a rhythm that I had to uh, follow. And so I was working most days, seven days. 
uh, with the weekends being the time in which I would write. But uh, I would, I be, to be clear, writing was very meditative for me. Yeah. Writing became, um, writing is a, a way for me to slow down, even though there's activity. Mm. And um, um, that was really important. I have my own version, by the way, of the John Wooden quote, which comes to me from one of my boxing trainers, who she herself was in the army. And she used to say, slow is smooth, smooth is fast, fast is deadly. Wow. And that's wow. actually a lot. I just couldn't digest that. That, that right. was really good. Right. And so what you want to do is actually aim for smooth. Mm. Not fast, not slow, but smooth. So and absence of friction? Absence of friction, a kind of cadence. It's like, this is what it is. I get up and I do this work and this is what I do. And then I stop and then I go. Whereas if you think about people describe as busy, what they're really doing is they're, they're having, they're spiky in their productivity. So all of a sudden I'm overwhelmed and then I have to crash and then I'm overwhelmed and then I have to crash. And any athlete will tell you that's a terrible way to train. You don't get into a flow state. You have to get into that flow state. You got it. You got it. John, I, I, Jerry, I can imagine this um, like at a, at a fireside chat for an executive summit. This, this kind of like cadence of stuff, because I think people don't have enough time to reflect and think, right? Because we're just, we're for a lot of high performing executives, they're just on, right? They're on so hard, mm. right? And, and there's a lot of confusion in terms of like what they need to like up level their game. And for many folks, it's just work harder, right? Mm. And it sounds like that's, that's just the wrong way to go. Um, and uh, really to sh shift there. Now, one of the questions is, how can we transform untamed hungers and compulsions into tools for organiza creating organizations? Well, the best expression of that, um, I would tell a quick story about a client who came to one of our boot camps, our multi-day retreats, and was complaining the first night because I was sitting around and had them all reading poetry and we were all crying and all this stuff, talking about childhood. Mm -hmm. And he got really annoyed. He's like, what the hell's going on? I have a problem with a greedy SOB head of sales. And this is my problem. You know, and I came here to fix this. And I sort of made a deal with him. I said, if you stay for the whole weekend uh, and you don't have an answer to your problem, I'll give you your money back. Wow. I was like, okay, okay, okay. So he stayed. And a couple of days later, we started unpacking this notion of greed and we realized it actually was rooted in his own childhood. In fact, what had happened was he had hired this person and in my parlance, outsourced his internal compulsion for greed, hired somebody to be that person, but it was politically incorrect, so it became greed. And what was his childhood compulsion? He was afraid of growing up without enough food. And oh, so wow. what is greed, wow. right? What is greed? Greed is just the wish to make sure that you're safe. Yeah. Wow. With a five-year-old If I have all the food, if I have all the toys, then I will be safe. That's what five-year-olds thought. Well, it is. It's the, it's, it's the accumulation of options. It's the accumulation yes. of safety. It's the accumulation of resources. Yeah. That's right. So what we did was we transformed that belief system into I, my assignment to him was, okay, now your new job is to make sure that nobody in your hungry in your company ever goes hungry again. Wow. So all of a sudden the mission, the compulsion, which was negative, greedy, became positive 
let's all succeed together. Right. And it's a little, what I call those sort of little jujitsu moves. Let's transform it. Let's reframe it. And all of a sudden, sales in the company tripled, and everybody's much happier, and nobody's being greedy. They're all Jerry, Jerry, you have a black belt in storytelling. Wow. We, <laughs> honestly, we could talk to you for the entire hour. That was that was the fastest twenty yeah. minutes I think I've ever had. That was amazing. Profound, deep, thoughtful, insightful, amazing and, advice here, Jerry. And I was significantly slower in speaking than either of you. <laughs> Thank you for that. But anyway, that's we, are, <laughs> we are here with Jerry Colonna, author of Reboot Leadership and the Art of Growing Up. A must read for every single leader. Take the time to think, take the time to grow up and reboot. You can follow him on Twitter at Jerry Colonna, C-O-L-O-N-N-A on Twitter. Thanks a lot for being on the show. Might be uh, getting in touch with you about an event in February. So talk to you later. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Bye now. That was terrific. Wow. That was amazing. I mean, that's like a fireside chat to kick off an event. Uh, yeah. I, have one. I tell I'm you, I, mean, I think all of us could do an OS upgrade reboot. And uh, certainly imposter syndrome is something that I think both you and I are familiar with. But <laughs> certainly. <laughs> <laughs> with uh, tough parents that's all i can say yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's uh it's a privilege to have our next guest because both uh both ray and i consider him to be just one of the most awesome people we know uh you know forget about his long list of accomplishments when you get to know him you just feel good about yourself which is probably the best compliment i can give to anyone uh jay Perro, uh is a chief information officer at quickre the largest manufacturer of packaged concrete in, in the US. Previously, he served as CIO of a number of other incredible companies, Earth, Blink, American Cancer Society, AIG. Um, he's a thought leader, uh, information technology, transformational CIO, and uh, nationwide guest speaker and panelist. I've had the privilege of sitting and listening to him and just tired of tweeting every sentence that he <laughs> on stage. It makes my wrist hurt. <laughs> he was selected as one of uh, Computer World's 100 IT leaders. Um, um, Georgia CIO of the year, uh, currently serving as the chair of Georgia CIO Leadership Association. And, uh, you know, we only have a 20 minute segment, so I have to cut off <laughs> awards in, 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 in a tenth. <laughs> he was elected to board of directors of TechBridge, Atlanta based nonprofit organization that helps nonprofits use technology to improve their capability to serve the community. This whole theme of better human, better leadership, better community. Uh, Jay is an uh, incredible follow on Twitter at J A Y F E R R O. Welcome back, Jay, to Disrupt TV. Last time you were on the show was episode 21. We're at episode 153. So please come back more frequently. Good <laughs> Twist my arm, Bob. After that intro, I'm just going to call it a day. I really am. I'm just going to tap out and be like, you know what? Let's end on a high note. You are sure. Hey, Jay, it's been great talking to you. Uh, it's wonderful. All right. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> You are a BT150 winner as well. Yeah. We're about to announce the BT150 list soon. Diane and I, David Chat, we've all been sitting there checking out who the top transformation agents are. You're one of our early winners. Let's talk about this changing role of the CIO. I mean, right. it is, we've gone from CIOs are cool, CIOs are not, CIOs are back in style. We've gone from, hey, digital belongs in some really weird group over here to like digital's back to the CIO. Lots of shifts. Talk about this role of the CIO. And you've been working in all different types of industries. You know what? Uh, in, in our own head, the CIO has always been cool. Um, <laughs> whether it's others' perceptions are the same. But, uh, you know, it, it, 
It, it's funny to me. Uh, the, the common theme that I, that I see in all the various roles that I've had and my colleagues have had, uh, even though the landscape has changed, it's always been around execution and leadership and communication and transparency. And yeah, we got to stay on top of those trends and everything. And certainly we're seeing some shifts in the industry. But, you know, to me, it all comes down to the basics. Are the CIOs servant leaders? Are, do they have high EQ? Are they good listeners? Uh, do they have a bias for action and execution? Uh, and and if, you're, if you have all of those things and you build powerful networks with folks like you, I mean, Vala, I'm, gonna, I mean, I'm just gonna waste my next 20 minutes talking about you and, and Ray and how great you guys are, but thank you for the kind intro, by the way, for both of you. But look, I mean, we're, we, we've come out of the data center. That, that, that conversation is, is, that is over. It's done with. Um, there's still some struggling. I feel bad for them, but you know, that, that conversation is, is over and done with. And, and if, if they've got you're, better AC than you do now, I'm just telling you, that's all. What's that? <laughs> they've got better air conditioning than you do now, but well, that's okay. true. They do. It, it's, <laughs> I got a lot of windows in here. It gets pretty hot in the afternoon, but it, it, it's, um, you know, the reality is that if, if, if the right leaders, I mean, if you exhibit the right qualities, you're going to have a seat at the table. It's just funny to me how CIOs, we love to complain. We're our own worst enemies in many ways. On, on one hand, we celebrate one another better than any other discipline. On the other hand, we're our own worst enemies in that, you know, we're always complaining about what we don't have. And I find so many CIOs miss the boat. They miss what makes a good leader a good leader. Um, so I try to focus on that. But your point's a very good one, Ray. I mean, we've gone from chief information to chief data center to chief whatever to chief whatever. Look, we're orchestrators. We're, we're, we're connectors. Um, that's where this is going. Yeah. We're, we're chief assemblers of different pieces of the enterprise. And you will not find a role better positioned to understand the value chain in a company, to me, uh, than a CIO, if you're doing your job right and you're paying attention, right. which is what I think a lot of us struggle with at times. But um, yeah. if you do that, I think you're, you're set up very well for the future. When I first met you, I thought you were a CEO. Um, because, <laughs> no, because you, you emphasized culture, you emphasized recruiting, retaining the right talent. It was more business acumen in your narrative then getting into the weeds of technology. So I just assumed you were a CEO and then I find out, oh, now he's an angel investor, he's a board member, but he's a CIO. Uh, so, so that was cool. <laughs> um, so, well, thank you. So I think. what do you do to recruit talent into your organization where you realize that there are no IT projects, they're just business projects. And if your investment thesis needs to be developed based on the, predicated on how you delight yourself stakeholders, your employees, your customers, your partners, the communities that you serve. So how do you make sure that that's, that alignment in terms of mindset is how you build your IT organization versus folks that like to play with cables and be in a data center <laughs> and chase the shiny object or whatever it may be? <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I, I think you can have both. I, I really do. To me, it's about selling culture. It's about selling um, the passion you know, my passion for what I do, you guys have heard me say many times uh, that I'm a, I'm a zealot or I'm a, I'm a crusader for what I do. I, I, I feel like very few people in life find their reason for existence. And I, I, I have, you know, I love what I do. And maybe that might morph into CEO or COO or 
something else in the in the not too distant future. But I love the leadership aspect. That said, I love technology. Yeah, I absolutely love technology. So what I the way I try to attract and retain talent is making it very clear that the IT organization that I, I the organizations that I build are all around transparency, delivery, visibility, accountability. We're always going to know where we stand. We're always going to own up to what we're we're doing right and what we're doing not doing. Uh, right, but we're going to be part of the business and that I always have their back and I'm very, very open about what's working and, and what isn't and how they're important. I, I remember, you know, Vala going, joining an organization years ago and I actually had a, you know, an entry level service desk in this mammoth organization and they said, Jay, we are so many steps removed from the customer. You know, what we do doesn't really matter. Wow. And I That's stopped cool. in the, and this is when I just joined and I stopped and I clutched my chest and I said, let me tell you how, how it matters. And so I told them a story about, you know, one of our customers who, who made a phone call uh, and was going through a very dire situation and needed just to hear a friendly voice on the other, on the other end. And I gave him another example of, I said, look, you know, our employees who are calling you for support, they are human beings at the other end of the line that are responsible for generating revenue, for serving our customers. And all it takes is a good experience with you to transform their day and pay that forward back to our customers. So if you think that what you are doing, one phone call at a time doesn't matter, you're wrong, you're dead wrong. And the, it is absolutely just as important as any other role in the organization and you gotta believe it. And um, I think the other thing I do is always making sure they're, they're front and center, whether that means taking a tour of our plants here to understand where our employees are and what we do, meeting customers and other organizations where this is who you serve. This is how we make money. This is who we want to make happy. Uh, and, and people seem to like that passion. And I've, I've had a pretty good track record of uh, attracting and, and keeping top talent around. I, I, um, I'm proud to say that there are six CIOs in Atlanta that I've uh, that I've hired and trained over the years. Wow, that that's paying it. Oh, we definitely hear about that. That's amazing. Well, I'm not yeah, very good. Nasty. I'm not very good by myself, but I'm very good at finding talent. How about that? <laughs> I'm a cautionary tale of what not to do. <laughs> that's a superpower, by by the way. <laughs> Just do the opposite hey, of me, that. and you will be a world class CIO. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, you know, Bala did allude to the fact that, I mean, you really do understand the business. And I think that's one of the things that sets you apart uh, in, in the job that you have and all the different jobs. You, you get to understand the business, the business model that's there. I mean, have we seen CIOs become CEOs, um, especially in this day and age when technology is such an underpinning of it and when you can I put think, a business background the, to an IT background? I think the good ones are the best positioned to be CEOs. No doubt in my mind, because every company needs to operate like a tech company regardless of sector or size in my opinion yeah. and if you have strong business acumen and you love and understand technology you are ready to you know you're ready to take on the world but anyway sorry that's yeah, but no no you're right and we traditionally no, you're right CFOs, you're, you're spot on like salespeople, right but but it's it's time for technology folks to become ceos i say but but what do you see jay i see the same thing but it, it, it i'll take it you know i'll just add on to what you both said the best CIOs in the world are great leaders. They're great leaders of people. They're great conveners. They execute, they get things done. 
They're not great leaders, asterisk, who have in their one domain. Uh, to me, that doesn't make you a great CIO. Great CIO are great business leaders. And if you're a great business leader, then it would be natural that you would be considered for CEO roles. So I 100% I agree with you. I think we're gonna see a lot more. We're certainly seeing more today, but I think we're gonna be seeing a lot more uh, as, we, as we go on. Um, so yeah. Jay, is there a particular line of business that should be a priority for CIOs in terms of building a very strong collaborative flow and work? Is, is, it, is it the CMO? Is it the chief revenue officer? Is it chief human resource? I mean, ultimately, I know you have to time slice your, your attention and build your investment thesis to serve the entire business. But if you have to stack rank, um, and excluding the CEO and the board, because I'm sure many of your projects are board level discussions like adopting AI or emerging technologies, cloud versus on-premise, and how do you create new business model innovation for new sources of revenue? Most of the times, the extraordinary CIOs that I have the privilege to work with are, are in front of boards. But excluding CEO and board, give us advice in terms of which line of business you should really make sure you work with in order to meet the ever-growing customer-consumer expectations in this you know, age of the connected customer. Great question. And, and I think you answered it earlier yourself when you said in this day, era of digitally connect, digital connection and tech first and the underpinnings of every organization being digital. The answer is all of them. And that's not an answer people want to hear. You do have to prioritize, but you prioritize, I think, based on need, uh, prioritize based on what the organization is doing, you know, what's happening at that point in your strategy. To me, I have found that building relationships all across the organization with your peers and your different functions pays off. You know, I don't want, I want my organization having a reputation of serving all citizens equally within the organization. Now, again, you have to place bets, right? You're not spreading the same hours, dollars, capacity toward every function. Um, but in terms of respect and time from the CIO, they all deserve it. And, and I will tell you a, a perfect example. When I was at the American Cancer Society, you know, I joined and IT was a four letter word, not my words. I was told that by a very senior leader and I immediately started building relationships naturally with the CFO, the CMO, et cetera, but also the, the head of HR who, and you know, the head of, uh, of corporate communication, uh, the chief legal officer, and a number of others who had maybe not gotten the attention historically, but really were looking for some quick wins. And IT was kind of mired in this very onerous prioritization process that really was broken at the time. And I've seen this in multiple companies, so I'm not picking on ACS by any means, but their, their projects, because they didn't quote generate revenue, never made it to the top of, of the list. And so you had these projects that were three, four, five years old, these requests that were never going to get done. And many of them were just quick wins. And I was like, God, that is ridiculous. We're going to start chipping away at these. And because they pay huge dividends and, and they build great camaraderie and they build great um, capital within the organization. And so my answer is all of them. Uh, I already hear, you know, I've built good relationships with my peers and I'll continue to do that. Great advice. Great advice. Wow, that's wonderful advice. Hey, so quick, couple of quick questions as well. I think the couple of opportunities that we, we keep seeing and we got a couple big buzzwords that keep popping up. 
right? So I, I'm, I'm guilty of one of them, digital transformation. Uh, I want to just go down the line, see what you think about I, these. Uh, AI is yeah, like one, tattooed, number one. Tattooed on your arm, digital transformation. <laughs> yeah. I do, I do. Soon, soon digital duopoly, right? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but it's the next book. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> book. The digital transformation, um, AI, um, we'll talk about blockchain, and then uh, one that people don't talk about, multi-cloud, and then business continuity. So I'll just throw them out there. You can take them any way you like. But, but what are you thinking about those? Like, are these buzzwords? Are these things that are going to stick around? Of course, yeah. They're all going to have their place. Multi-cloud, I think, is the one that I get most excited about. And um, I, I think AI, we, we talk about it, and nobody really has the same definition of it. I think blockchain nope, has been nope. an interesting journey of of hype that bubble kind of you know within the last couple of years yeah cratered <laughs> but it, look it's going to have a place it's going to continue the, the the hype cycle will will do one of those things like it always does and it's going to be another tool in our arsenal uh none of those in and of themselves without good people and good strategy and good execution will do anything for anyone but i'm excited about all of them i think there's a place for all of them in every company that i've been with um I'm, I'm really excited about, um, you know, the, the notion of a better class of problem, no matter where you are as a CIO. If somebody can do something for an organization better, faster, cheaper, more nimbly, more agile, and they can offer capabilities to take things off of my hands, I still own them, yeah. but I want to take advantage of those, whether that be, our, you know, robotic process automation, whether that be AI, whether that be... Yeah you know, getting data real time from the edge. I mean, just all of those things, you know, yeah, of course I want to listen. I'm excited about all of them. As, yeah, a, no, I just, I just, as an angel investor, but now as CIO of a company that's a, that's a sector leader, how open are you to inviting startups uh, so that they can provide their solutions as part of your tech stack? And if you are open to it, what advice do you have to startup founders when they're coming to pitch to you a CIO of a sector leader uh, so that they can have an opportunity to demonstrate their capabilities. Well, you just said it, demonstrate, right? Show, um, okay. get it beyond PowerPoint. It's slideware, you gotta see. Yeah. No, I wanna see it in action. Product. Yeah. Take the time to understand what an organization is doing, whether it's mine or anybody else's, take, take the time, do the research. Don't expect you know, all, all the excitement that you have in, in the, the one room office to, to translate a, a immediately to the boardroom of a, a very big established company. They're going to want to see reality. But also when you listen, you're going to take it to the next step and, and start solving problems that you're hearing. Uh, if you hear a company or a CIO of any company, not just me, has particular business challenges, how is your solution solving those problems in a really material way, not a buzzword laden death by PowerPoint, death by hashtag kind of way, but in a real material way, show them how you're gonna solve uh, their problems and make their lives easier. Um, and I've run into people who are very good at that and have made investments and so far so good. Yeah. Uh, and I've run into people who just cannot, cannot fathom that and um, are more enamored with, I don't know. They're more enamored with uh, the buzzwords and the, and the yeah. tech and looking inward and navel gazing than they are with really understanding the practical applications of their technology how much uh, time or their you, solutions. How much time do you give them? Do they have 10 minutes in front of you? Do they have 30 minutes? Are you able to, I suspect you are, within literally minutes, no, 
this isn't going to fit in, in my company or? I, I know pretty quick. I know pretty quick. We're, we have a very vibrant startup community in Atlanta. Right. And certainly I listen to pitches all over the country and really all over the world. But here in Atlanta in particular, we have a very vibrant startup community. And so I'm involved with a number of different incubators and consortiums around who make investments. And so I have the luxury of, you know, kind of quote speed dating with a lot of the different uh, startups and, and firms around wow. uh, the organization. Yeah. I don't know. The, the advice you gave is sage advice to big companies. In other words, if you don't have jobs to be done and you're not giving a concise, relevant, trustworthy capability, demonstration of capabilities, I don't care how big or small, you're not going to be uh, partnered with Jay. I mean, I, I know that, you know, you're a smart CIO, so well, bet them quickly. I, look, I love tech. I'm a lifelong technology guy. I learned how to program. I didn't want to say the language, but I learned how to program COBOL and, <laughs> and everything back in the, say it with pride, man, back in the, you know, the very late 80s. Uh, and I built my first computer in the, you know, in the mid 80s and, and from scratch and, you know, back in the, we all did the VIC-20, Commodore 64, TRS-80 kind of stuff. But, you know, I love the technology too. <laughs> but we have, look, we have a company to run and, 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 and day in and day out, the role of the CIO or any executive is really not all that glamorous. You're moving product, you're trying to attract and retain customers and delight them and, you know, build a superior product and all of those things. How is your product, Vendor X, helping us do that? How are you going to help delight our customers? How are you going to help make my life easier, not Jay Farrow, but my, quote, company's life easier so that we can better focus on what matters in the company? And that is attracting and retaining and by retaining i mean delighting and serving our customers so it's to me it's it's simple but yet it's so hard it, it, it sounds common sense but i know you know i'm on the other end of being pitched to and i <laughs> to listen to you and watch this segment because <laughs> well, hey, hey, but, but hey real quick i really want to jump in on atlanta right part of the reason we're holding a conference yep. The end of February next year in Atlanta is because massive innovation there, right? Very, very young talent, uh, very, very good talent, all types of business ideas in one spot. I mean, Atlanta is one of the big innovation capitals in the country and people don't realize that. And so that's part of the reason we want to do that in Atlanta to showcase this ambient experience summit. And it's going to be wild. Uh, so we're going to get you involved uh, talk to you more about that. Uh, but, you know, it's been great to inspire people there. So, so, hey, thanks for being on the show. Jay Farrow, multi-CIO everywhere at Quick. <laughs> Guys, thanks. You two are the best. You two are the best. You're two of my mentors. Thank you. Oh, that, you just made me. <laughs> hey, hey, no, thanks for being on the show. You rock. And uh, we'll catch up with you more. So take care. All right, guys. Thanks. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much. He's an exceptional CIO. Um, and speaking of exceptional people, uh, people that uh, I certainly learned from, um, I, I, I think I owe this man probably 30, 40,000 Twitter followers. So because of <laughs> genius wisdom, Dion Hinchcliffe, Vice President, Principal Analyst at Constellation Research. Dion is an internationally recognized business strategist, best-selling author, enterprise architect, industry analyst, noted keynote speaker. Again, anybody who follows his work recognizes that he's all around the world, inspiring, educating, some of the business leaders of the biggest companies in the world. Um, he's a widely read columnist for ZDNet, Information Week, Enterprise, or Regulars. 
He's best-selling author of the book, Social Business by Design, which has concepts that are as relevant when he wrote the book as, as today. Absolutely. Thanks for telling Absolutely. <laughs> Dion was recently <laughs> identified um, uh, through data analysis by Robert Half Technologies, one of the top three people mentioned most by CIOs worldwide. An industry analytics firm, Analytica, ranks Dion as number two influencer globally on the subject of digital transformation. He's a must-follow on Twitter. I can't more strongly emphasize, you know, if you're going to follow five technologists is amongst the five at D-H-I-N-C-H-C-L-I-F-F-E. Welcome back, Dion, to Disrupt TV. Thank you so much, Fala. Um, great to see you. Thanks, Ray. Looking forward to the conversation. Lots of exciting things happening. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, did we lose Ray? No, I, I, I thought I heard him talk. <laughs> I heard him, and he but uh, but I'm going to start with the question. Um, I just right before the show uh, tweeted uh, your uh, digital transformation trends for 2019 ZDNet article, again supplemented by a beautiful illustration that summarizes the post. But you took the top business trends and you separated from the top technology trends. Can you talk about your findings in terms of the trends, digital transformation trends for this year? This year and beyond, I feel like many of what you pointed to will be priorities beyond just 2019. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So a lot of these are themes that have been running uh, along, but uh, digital transformation uh, is, is a lot of people think it's, it's old hat now. And we've been talking about it for five years, but most organizations are, are still at low levels of maturity. They're just learning about what to do. We're going to be doing this for another five or 10 years. So there's, there's technology things you have to do, but I put the business trends first because that's the hard part. Right? It's getting the people uh, aligned and educated and, and cultivating the talent and, and getting everything ready. And, and we see you know, one of those big trends is, is this conversation has gone all the way to the top of the organization, to the CEO who's now leading or at least sponsoring digital transformation efforts more than the CIO, more than the CMO now. Um, we see that, that getting workers uh, up to speed, um, getting them the talent um, the, um, the, uh, the, the tools, the skills they need to actually drive forward the transformation, that's, a, that's an education process, that's a hiring process, that's the mentoring process. Um, we also see that organizations have lots of digital transformation initiatives. I, I, I go into organizations all the time when I find that they've got four, five, six, ten different efforts on customer experience alone. Um, and these have to be better integrated. I, 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 Big Bang digital transformation doesn't work either. Yeah, that's one of the, the big lessons. We, we need a constellation, um, pardon the reuse of that term, <laughs> of, of, of uh, projects and efforts that are loosely coupled, right? They're all guided um, by leaders and, and heading in the right direction, informed by, by customer needs. Uh, but uh, you know, it's getting those, those initiatives integrated uh, is key. And I think um, uh, it was interesting to me, um, a survey last year showed that most employees feel like they don't know what the digital transformation plans are, what the strategy is, how they can help, what they can do. So improved leadership communication has really, I think, been more broadly felt that we've got to do a better job at that. Uh, and then just doing all this sustainably. We, you know, what, uh, what Jerry was talking about is, uh, and what you said, Vala, which is we, um, we have to go, um, you know, we have to go fast, but not hurry. Right, right. Diana, a follow-up question. Are you surprised or can you think the last time where CEOs of companies were leading technology-related initiatives. 
certainly when we look at the last 20 years, the era of the cloud, the era of mobile and social and internet of things. And has there ever been a point in time, if you look back the last, let's say 20 years, where you had so much active involvement at the CEO level, leaning into technology in order to transform companies? Yeah, well, it's interesting. Uh, you, you, if you look at what happened with Burberry about four or five years ago, you know, Angela Arendt, uh, uh, who, went, who went on to Apple, she, she got the CEO job and she looked at what she had, had inherited as a CEO. She said, I can't run a modern organization on this, on this giant mess. And I think she was at the Salesforce conference and she had this big napkin up on the, on the screen saying, this is what I was told I had to run everything on. I said, there's no way. One year we have to revolutionize everything that we're doing. And she really drove that and she turned that company around. Burberry was in the doldrums and you know, she drove serious performance for that organization. I think that's, she's a poster child for how a CEO can make all the difference and can really accelerate those efforts. Absolutely. And that's, that's great. Five years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that, that was actually pretty recently. And, and of course, once you join Apple, you don't know where everyone disappears. You have no idea where they go. It's like, exactly. never heard from them again. Uh, but no, they're definitely doing good work. Uh, she's still there. So, hey, Diane, you know, we're, talking about traits of good CIOs and what they need. We're talking about traits of other digital leaders and transformation leaders. Uh, can you give us a sneak peek of what you're seeing in this year's BT150 so far, in terms of uh, what we've been Absolutely. doing? Absolutely. Yeah, so, uh, so Ray, as you know, uh, but, uh, we have the BT150, but for those who are watching, it's the Business Transformation 150. These are 150 folks we think are, are exemplars that really hold the torch for how digital change should be happening, how digital leadership should be exerted. Uh, and it takes us a long time to pick the right folks. Um, and we're about ready to announce later this month, uh, later next month, I guess, um, who those are. Uh, and it's, um, it's, it's interesting. We, uh, we've got um, uh, kind of a who's who list. Um, I think uh, and, and the motivation really is the storytelling in the IT industry is really poor. We don't learn from each other. We, we go to these conferences and we have high level case studies, but we don't really have people that we can talk to. We don't know who's actually doing it. And this is a great list to help you do that. Um, and so we see that um, uh, we have one BT-150 inductee who uh, um, oversaw a comprehensive new mobile engagement program to create a more interactive experience between employees and guests. And, and customer experience was a, was a, was a, a frequent theme. Um, that's something that CIOs and CXOs in general are focusing a lot more because that's how that makes all the difference in revenue and competition. Uh, another one created and launched a disruptive strategic mar marketplace platform for open banking. So, you know, uh, we waited a long time for financial services to be disrupted. We got a lot of folks that have, are, have done that on the BT150 this year. So I'm excited about that. Um, we have another inductee who realized something called AI ops, which is, uh, you know, artificial intelligence operations as in actually driving um, your organization, uh, its operations using AI technologies. This is a you know, major Fortune 100 company doing this. Uh, and also, at the, while she was doing that, she led her organization into uh, a successful true multi-hybrid cloud strategy, which is uh, another hot topic today. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's the most diverse BT-150 we've ever assembled. Uh, we've really tried to make sure that uh, uh, sure of that this year. It's the most sustainably focused BT-150 yet. So um, I think we've, um, you know, in terms of uh, ca capturing the zeitgeist, you know, the, 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 the themes of the moment, uh, we've done, uh, done a good job. Would you, would you consider, uh, well, two questions. I don't know why Chief Digital Evangelist has never been part of a BT-150, so I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> 
Oh, we'll have to take, we'll have to write that one down, about. <laughs> but, uh, but a more serious question, although I was serious. Uh, uh, if, because you're a masterful um, artist in terms of conveying, uh, conveying uh, through pictures, uh, concepts and theories, if you have to uh, develop a, a, a histogram or a picture of the BT-150, uh, which industry would be most represented? Is there an industry or sector that's not included at all with these 150 participants? Like, for example, will we see BT-150 from manufacturing or will retail and fintech be the one that dominates these incredible trailblazers? Going through the process of selecting this diverse group, do you glean insights in terms of laggards versus leaders by industry, by company size, by geography? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, so uh, we have an outsized representation by things like um, healthcare and financial services. Uh, mm -hmm. Industries we wouldn't have really seen as, being looked at as digital innovators, but very okay. much now. You know, healthcare surprises me. Wow. Yeah, they're, they're, well, there's so much happening right now. Everyone's moving to electronic medical records. And as they're, as they're doing that, they're, they're completely modernizing everything because this is the time. That's the, you know, the core of the system uh, is patient care, patient experience. Uh, and so we see a lot of healthcare CIOs uh, on the list, um, CXOs in general, actually. Um, financial services, uh, manufacturing, of course, is well represented. Retail is well represented. Um, Insurance, less so. We still don't see, you know, there's, there's, there's a few good uh, companies out there. You know, you look at the, you know, the insurance and Geico, uh, but that is still a hard industry to transform because it's highly regulated and don't have a huge amount of representation on, on that any, industry. Any legacy sectors like agri agriculture, oil and gas, telecom, are there, are there, are, are there BT100 trailblazers? In what I yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, we, well, we certainly have uh, 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 the energy sector uh, is represented. Um, telecom, not so much. I mean, this is a, it's a tough industry, even though 5G is going to be the biggest thing to hit the whole technology world ever. Uh, it's going to change everything, enable all new possibilities, give us bandwidth and capacity to do things we never imagined before, right? Um, the telcos are just going to build the, the bottom layer of that, <laughs> and it's going to be all the next generation of startups are going to generate enough, you know, trillions of dollars of wealth using 5G. It's not going to be the telcos. It just doesn't appear to be. That's uh, and that's unfortunate. They, and, and, and they're well aware of that. And they would love to solve that problem, but it's just not their, it's not their forte, it seems. So, uh, yeah, we don't have, a lot, don't have a lot of telco. So it's I interesting. The, I look forward to the, the reveal because uh, first thing I try to do is connect with the 150 <laughs> through social and other means, perhaps guests on the show, because these are, if the past is an indication, some of the smartest, most committed, uh, and most collaborative people that you'll meet in the technology business industry. So, terrific. Uh, absolutely. And, and we'll have them at the uh, Constellation Connected Enterprise in, in early November, uh, have them on stage. And so we'll keep telling their stories. We're going to capture a lot of information from them this year and, and, and try and get that out so that we can all learn together. We can all collaborate together. Yeah, we've got something like 430 alumni once this is out. Uh, it's one of the biggest groups uh, coming out, so it's going to be very interesting. So, but hey, what's going on with the research agenda? You're like covering governance, compliance, digital workspaces, the CIO issue. What's hot? Talk about this digital workplace trends report. So that, uh, that'll be coming out in the next few weeks. Um, it's done. It's just in editing. Um, yeah, and, and so we're seeing some big changes in digital workplace uh, for one. Uh, a new idea, a new concept, a new term, employee experience has become 
uh, very, very important now. Uh, and that's a big change because digital workplace is still very much an IT construct. But employee experience, which digital workplace is a big component of, is a kind of a higher order construct. And it's not necessarily technology. There's a lot of design there. There's a lot of, 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 of human issues that maybe HR should be involved in. So this is a big umbrella that the industry is talking about now. The digital workplace has to be driving the employee experience conversation like never before. But that's not just an IT conversation. So we're talking about how you know, even though many organizations finally acquired a head of digital workplace, before it was just a bunch of different tool groups. If you went at almost any company, no matter how big, there was no digital workplace. Nobody's in charge of it. There was just a bunch of grab bag of, of department heads that were in charge of SharePoint and email and intranet. That's all changed now in the last, last few years. Uh, and now it's going to change again with the employee experience saying, all right, we need to, we need to up-level this even more because that's the big boundary between our workers and all this IT that we're investing in. And we're, we're at a high watermark in terms of investment in IT right now. And we're not getting enough value out of it. It's not effective enough. It's too fragmented. Um, and, and that's the other big uh, trend that we see um, is uh, it used to be big suites were much easier for IT to manage. Um, they all you know, kind of work together. They were good enough. Uh, that's, that is not sufficient anymore. And plus it's now become so easy to integrate things together that we're re-entering that age where we're gonna start doing um, uh, local tool choice, mixed best of breed. Um, I, uh, almost every CIO I'm talking about is saying, I can do this now and I can do it cheaply and easily. I can build the best IT um, for my workers that I've ever built. Uh, I can even let local departments vary based on the tools that best help them. And all this stuff is gonna pretty much work together about as good as the big suites. Sure. Uh, so we're seeing this, this big resurgence in, in, um, and it's giving a lot of room uh, for all these small startups and smaller companies, mid-market companies that had no chance before with the biggest Office 365, which is a, you know, a great platform, but it's not, you know, every app in there is not for everybody. Uh, yeah. and, this, uh, and this allows all this to work together. So that's a very exciting trend. I had a bunch of others. It's a big report um, we got, uh, we'll be talking about you know, how to integrate all these things. We're talking about workplace analytics, um, use case realization. So with this, fo this focus on like, Accenture CIO, his, his num job number one is creating the top 100 moments optimized uh, with best practices for his workers. Um, and he says that's his, that's his number one job is creating you know, those 100 moments, the core of the employee experience. So anyway, it's um, Andrew exciting Wilson time. Is, is a, Andrew Wilson is a terrific CIO. Paul Dart is a terrific CTIO. Oh, absolutely. It doesn't surprise me that those two are thinking about you can't improve the customer experience before you improve the employee experience. And as you mentioned, round up adoption, you know, just this year alone, companies like Zoom and Slack have demonstrated to us that when technologies have great adoption at the low level, not necessarily pushed down from the high hierarchy, you know, it, it, there's great value. This is now a hundred billion dollar market. Uh, but in the report where we see uh, a correlation in terms of companies that invest in employee experience through digital investments, see better net promoter score, better uh, employee acquisition, retention, uh, CSAT, you know, uh, not just productivity metrics, but also, you know, uh, indication of a healthy culture and, and, and uh, being in a position to grow. 
The digital transformation studies by MIT does show that high maturity organizations exhibit all those things you just talked about. It's exactly right, but it takes them a while to get there. They, uh, most companies have an expectation they'll do it. If they do it this year, they'll get it next year. It takes a little bit, that journey takes a little bit longer and that's the tough part for many, for a lot of people. That's right. So you got to train for a marathon, but be able to run sprints along the way. Eventually, you're absolutely, you're that's right. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Ray. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's and that's uh, the digital workplace trends report: how to build a modern digital workplace with and employee experience. That'll be out uh, next month. That's wow, that's awesome. We're here with Diane Hinchcliffe. He's got a lot going on. You can check out his blog on the Slack direct listing and IPO. And uh, we never got to summer reading list, but I'm sure we'll hear more about that in the next list. I'll, I'll tweet it out with Disrupt TV Oh, Absolutely. If you're looking for him, and more importantly, one of our top members here, uh, top analyst here at Constellation Research, which you probably see for his awesome charts on ZDNet. So thanks a lot for being on the show, man. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you bet. You guys are the best. Thanks so much. Take care of all Take care, Ray. Uh, you know, I tell you, so we know the human mind processes an image 60 times faster than text. It's amazing that when I read Dion's articles, you'll find me for just minutes staring at the image without reading the text. And I, I feel like I get it. Yes, yes. I'm like talking to an image because he so masterfully, you know, creates illustrations that essentially, you know, give you a cliff note version of the post. And then he adds contextual intelligence with the writing, but, uh, but his, his, his graphics are second to none. Just, just oh, the graphics are amazing. If you can, if you understand the graphic, you, you get the whole model right away. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's amazing. And I think without the graphic, you sometimes miss subtleties and relationships because even the way he places arrows going from one concept to another, like everything is hours thinking about where that arrow goes. <laughs> I bet those drawings go through pretty rigorous reviews because it's just, it, anyway, it, it, they're, they're pristine, they're clear. Anyway, I, I love his work. He's, 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 That's amazing. That's amazing. He's amazing. But what do we have next week? We've got some very interesting guests. Well, hopefully. So, no show next week, but. That's right. <laughs> I was going to say, hopefully, hopefully next one. week everyone's enjoying their barbecue. Uh, or, 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 or relaxing, decompressing after the fourth. So we're not going to have a show next week. So episode 154, and very close to being uh, 400 unique guests. We're getting there, Ray. That's a pretty big milestone. But uh, on, on July 12th, we're going to get together, and um, we're going to start our show with uh, Mr. Tom Siebel, Chairman, Chief Executive Officer of C3AI, and an and author himself. So he's uh, certainly an incredible guest when we get back in July. Rory DeBoff, Managing Director, Head of Content Innovation and Strategy at Extended Reality, VR, AR, Mixed Reality, MR at Accenture Interactive. So certainly, you know, this is a, almost a 500,000 employee company that's uh, at Digital Trailblazers and the work that comes out of Accenture is amazing. You're gonna see that when we talk to Rory. And then Tracy Malingo, Senior Vice President and Product Strategy at Verit. So an incredible show led by a, a, a legend, uh, iconic legend, Mr. Siebel, and um, it'll be just like uh, the show this week. Uh, you got to get your popcorn, put on your seatbelt, and uh, <laughs> for an hour with some of the best and brightest people in the world. Ray, closing comments. 
you know, I've been here in Seattle. I'm telling you, this is one of the enterprise software capitals of the world. I think between cloud computing and enterprise, I mean, it's happening here. Lots of talent, lots of tech, and lots of VCs all in one spot. I think this is going to be one of the biggest hotbeds for enterprise tech over the next decade. It's just incredible what's going on out here. So between Seattle and Bellevue, it's amazing. We yeah. should take Disrupt on the road and visit Seattle. Get a get oh. three trailblazers and uh, do a show on the road. If, I, I, I'd love to feel that vibrancy that I can sense in you being there for you know this past week. I've met like 30 some people, just buy side, uh, tech vendors, VCs, people that are retired, but no one's ever retired. They're all doing like <laughs> startup advising. Uh, I mean, serial entrepreneurs. Uh, it's, it's been wonderful being out here. And of course, our BT150 winners and new winners, which I can't announce, are, are out here too as well. So we've got quite a few of them. So definitely awesome. a great environment. So we see a lot of headquarters moving in, so, awesome. especially, especially from California. So. Please don't forget the BT150 Chief Digital Evangelist auction. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. Everyone, uh, if it's Friday, it's Disrupt TV. Thank you for tuning uh, into episode 153. We'll see you in two weeks with Mr. Siebel as our first guest. And again, recommend who you want to see on the show. We still have the second half of, well, July is booked. So we have almost second half of next year. And we love to hear from you. Our, our producer, Aubrey, is always looking for you know, uh, opportunities for us to identify people that are putting a dent in the universe to come on the show. So thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Okay, bye. Bye.